listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw. You're a personal guitar scientist with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is, surprise, a surprise guest host, Nat. Hello. Howdy, Greetings. I will read the listeners' submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Luthier. I'm luthier than you. You, you certainly are. You, yeah. I'm the luthiest. I, I'd say you are. Yeah. Well, what have you been working on? Funny you should ask. So uh, oh uh, I have been working on, uh, you, you know, those crazy clear... Um, amp handles that are on Gibbs, like Tweed, Gibson oh. amps. Those clear... Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they're... They're a metal frame with a clear, like, what do you want to call it? Lucite or... Yeah, I think it's Lucite handle, right? And it's kind of... Clear resin. Comfy yeah. and modern looking. Yeah, so it's a metal frame with a clear insert, and then inside the insert is another insert of Tweed. Mm-hmm. So it's like a Tweed plastic looking handle with a metal frame. Well... With hinge right on there yeah a buddy of mine bought one of those had it shipped and the amp showed up perfect except that handle cracked in shipping ah dang it and i was looking at it and i thought you know i can probably fix this so i've got a tweed gibson amp that has the same handle oh yeah it's cool so i took the there's two screws that hold the clear insert on so i took the thing off molded it in silicone, so made a mold out of it. Okay. And I'm going to cast a new handle for my friend Brian in out of resin. Out of this clear, right. loose stuff. And I looked around the internet, nobody sells those inserts. So mm. now, I have, now I have a mold to make those. I might as well make a dozen of them. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Because I'm sure, you know, it's pretty common. I've seen... Plenty of those amps where the handle's broken. Or it's just the metal or whatever. Yeah, right, yeah. right. The whole th- plastic insert's gone. So now I have a mold to make those. Uh, that's one thing I was working on. You got that done, huh? Yeah, what else have I been working on? Cranking out the custom guitars. If you're not on my mailing list, you can go over to uh, one of my websites. I don't know. Oh, uh, pinupcustomguitars.com. Pinupguitars.com or pinupcustomguitars.com and uh, sign up for the mailing list down at the bottom there. You'll get alerts when I when I get guitars done. You get a little stock and done. And ready, ready to ship. You want to tip us off to any of the colors? No. 
You don't. I have right. <laughs> uh, coming up. I have a sunburst and I think Daphne blue and a butterscotch all tea style. That's oh, a capital man. T. There ain't much better than a butterscotch tea yeah. style. So this is the part of the show where traditionally I would ask the host, the 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 <laughs> oh no, the I uh, let you down. Well, wait, I'm the host. What are you? You're the <laughs> I'm the sidekick. The sidekick is such a derogatory. Well, but I have you're the been co-host. Doing, co-host doing a great job. Okay, yes, lovely co-host. This is the time where I ask the co-host, "What are you? What have you been up to lately?" Because uh, nobody really knows. I got one thing. Nat's a mystery that people don't know. Yep, that people I'm, don't know anything about yet. Yep. Well, that's by design. Here's one thing I've been doing. I played drums. Mm. Right, you did, yeah. For, no, and and yeah. not just any drums. For me. I dragged out the old vintage drums. The old Ludwig kit, about 64, 12, 14, 20, and played a show with that, which is cool because I'm using stuff that I used to kind of hoard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit precious. Bought it for 100 bucks, but... So we played a show with yeah. that outdoors. Those drums sounded good. They were cool. Here's another thing that Nat is, has been up to Uh-oh. that is kind of, it's almost been like a secret. I've been teaching Nat how to wind pickups. Hey, I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah, so Nat has been helping me with some of the pickups in the shop, and he is doing a great job mm-hmm. making making a few of the pickups. Yeah. It's like an um, industrial age Sweatshop. It's kind of fun, though, isn't it? It's kind of zen. Oh, you, I think it's You great. sit there and you feed the wire on, and it's kind, oh, yeah. of, it's kind of like raking sand. Oh, yeah, and you, you hold you your just, breath, yeah. and you will it to survive, and sometimes it doesn't. But let me ask you something about that, something I've noticed. Um, this is kind of a philosophical question. But in my recent work, I've been working in an office, and there, it is rare to have that sense of accomplishment, mm-hmm. to have completed a task. And it... It appears that that's somewhat intrinsic to job satisfaction, maybe life satisfaction. So, Right, like people that sit in a cubicle never feel, hey, this has hurt me. Yeah. Yeah, because there are always 15 things to do. Nothing gets done. You scratch out a new to-do list. Yeah. But in this gig, a lot of times you have incremental successes. You scratch things off the list. Yeah. And there's something is, that you can hold in your hand. Like you, you've this, produced something. This this is ready to ship. Yeah. You are not alienated or from Or this labors. is ready to install in a guitar. Yeah. You Where, recognize that? And no, there's what do so you think many, about that? Yeah, so many jobs are, uh, like, there's not even any product. No, like, people man. just sit at a computer no. and deal with people and problems and... Yeah. Here's what they said at a uh, recent job. They said, I was calculating, well... If they want us to do six of these things, we could probably do that by this and this and this. And the old guy said, hey, listen, you do six, they'll want eight. You do eight, they'll want 12. Listen, (laughs) they don't really want you to accomplish anything. They just want you to suffer for a while. (laughs) He really said that. Wow. The sufferings of... I know. I know. I was a cheery guy at that place. So so you recognize that, that, yeah, you do, and you interact with customers... Yeah. Directly, mm-hmm. and you've produced something that people are happy about. Do you think that's, um, well, I think you could recognize that as a great benefit of Lutheism, right? And I think it adds to my general overall well-being. I bet it does. You know. Except for the back strain, it's good, good y- gig. Yeah, that's true. 
but you know, I try to, this is just how I live my life. I really try, I really do try to appreciate like every little good moment and oh, yeah. decent thing. And you gotta. even just like, oh, I saw a really cool cloud or a sunset or, you know, this, you. this pickup turned out really nice. Oh yeah. You've got the, to the relish. Color, the color of those pickups, man. Yeah. And the way it looks in the light and all, all that's left to you is a little bit of childlike joy when there's a good raspberry. And you got, you've got to embrace that because life kicks us all in the teeth oh, enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It ain't easy. And you've got to take joy in the simple things. And uh, you didn't know this was some kind of motivational uh, Tony Robbins well, that, that's podcast. Why but I wanted to see where you'd go with that. But I just think that's such an interesting concept, especially because I've been doing essentially, well, to some extent, office work. You know, I like to stay secretive, but mm. a little bit of office work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's never done. It's yeah. unsatisfying. I love it. Don't fire me. Yeah, right, right. But it, it's just interesting as um, to actually complete a task. I yeah, think it's cool. It's kind of an unrecognized great thing about your gig. Well, the other side of this coin, though, is that it's kind of like a doctor, you know. You, yeah, you interact with people. They come to you with their problems. Oh, so yeah. people only bring me broken stuff. Oh, yeah. Crisis. And, like nobody brings me a fully functional, perfect guitar yeah. and says, hey, just, just check this out. Plug it in. Admire this, bro. Just check it out. <laughs> just take it in. Yeah. And then, see, and you've got high standards that need to be fulfilled. Never mind. This is a terrible gig. No, it's good. It's great. Good. Let All me right. get to this question. I appreciate your well, hold answer on. on that. Oh, you Wait, still going? I'm I'm hosting the show here. <laughs> We well, we gotta want... take call, we take the calls first. <laughs> it's not and this is a leftover of. Do you know why I take the calls first? It gives you a little pause. Because I loved talk radio. I listened to all kinds of talk oh, yeah, radio in yeah. like the eighties and nineties and twenty twenty. And I just loved taking the calls. Oh yeah, let's go let's west go to, of the Rockies. Yes. So here we go, east of the Rockies. You are. Uh, Almost on the air. Well, I got to go to my soundboard here. See, nothing works. Yeah, click a deal. All right. All right. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hey, Eric. I got a 1976 Martin D35 that's in definite need of some repairs. Brace is broken on the inside and bridge plate just shredded to bits. And um, it resulted in the, the top of the guitar just bellying up, you know in a sort of deformed way that's really unnatural. I was wondering, do you take the bridge off when you go to glue it? I wanted to, you know, sort of flatten the top when I go to uh, put that new bridge plate in a little bit. And also, do you use hide glue when working on a Martin with, um, you know, yellow glue that it was built with? Hmm. Thank you very much. Bye. Yeah, I like to use hide glue if I can clean off all that yellow glue. Hide glue doesn't like to stick to yet old yellow glue. In fact, nothing likes to stick to old mm-hmm. yellow glue. So you have to clean that old glue off anyway. And I like, I prefer to use hide glue when I can, just because it transfers vibrations better to the guitar. I think that yellow glue almost acts like it's a, like it's a rubber gasket a in between parts. Yeah, yeah. It dampens it. So um, what was his other question he cut so out? So it's bellying. He's got okay. a broken brace in there, which sounds terrible. Brace, like braces in the Bridge plate is chewed up. Yeah, canoe paddle. It's terrible stuff. And so it's bellying. 
yeah. unnaturally yeah. to make matters worse. Now, and so he wants to know if you take the bridge off, I assume, to install a new brace yeah. and rejigger the dealy. What I would do with this guitar, and this is my guess what I would do with it. I'd have to see it mm-hmm. to be sure, but here's my my guess. Um, what I would want to do with this guitar is take the bridge off, fix the braces, so make sure it's all braced good. All the that was such a poorly worded sentence. Yeah, no, make sure all the mean. bracing is is uh, is shored up and tight. And then um, they uh, the the thing that I would use on that is a TJ Thompson belly reducer. Oh, that's right. If you check out TJ Thompson's website, or I think they sell them from Stuart McDonald as well. It's a little aluminum call that basically um, fits. There's, it's magnetically aligned. One goes inside the guitar and one goes on the top of the guitar when the bridge is off. Hmm. And you heat up these calls and then install them and clamp the guitar and kind of torque it. And it helps take the belly out. So once you, once you fix the braces, once you do the uh, belly reducer... And then put a new bridge on or reuse the old bridge if the old bridge is still usable. Uh, that should help a lot. That should really help a lot. That's what I would do with it. So this isn't one of those jigs that goes into the end pin and torques it. No, that's belly. called a bridge doctor. Ah, And okay. that's something I would not want to put in a Martin unless it was like just an absolute last Basket ditch effort yeah. that, you know, the thing was underwater for 12 years and it's, there's just no way. Uh because that the 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 bridge doctor is is pretty invasive yeah um but uh yeah. the the TJ Thompson belly reducer is just a couple of aluminum calls that you heat up and then clamp so it forms it aligns it yeah. and that's the solution yeah now how would you know if the bridge isn't usable does it uh lose chunks or well i just mean yeah i mean i don't know if it's cracked or okay. or yep deformed you know a lot of times they as the top deforms the bridge will deform with it so you split or something so you might have to uh, heat up and clamp the bridge to fit the new curvature of the top i see right well that's good yeah okay i think we got him thanks for the question thank you sir let's go with the uh the next question here I have a quick question for Eric regarding Dario's strings. Um, I've been noticing the last couple of months uh, that my E's just seem to always want to pull sharp. Um, Did he say his E? They're like just open. Like they, they're just like there's something about base. the string itself where it never seems to get like fully stretched out and just stay in tune. Um, at first, I thought it was just one guitar, but. I use basically the same, you know, Diodario 11s standard, you know, EXL ones. Um, and they're, they're 10s as well across, like, pretty much eight guitars right now, and I've just been noticing it constantly. Eric, is there anything that you could think about with that, that maybe I should try? Have you noticed it at all? Has anyone else noticed this? You know, podcast family here. Um, it just seems to be Diodario's which historically have been great. Anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for keeping up the work and, and keeping up the podcast. And by the way, that new pinup guitar looks beautiful. So I hope she's mm-hmm. going to get home. All right, take care. Thank you. 
I'm still confused <clears throat> if it was his high E or low E. Did he he said E string, right? Yeah, and he didn't say E strings. It's more like E string. Is it both E's? Is I my don't E's? Think so. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Here's the deal, though. Uh, here's what. Here's something that came to my mind, and this may or may not be the case. So take this with a grain of salt. But I see this all the time. People will experience some problem with their guitar. Like, for example, fret buzz, mm-hmm. which they'd never really focused on before. And so then they, they go, oh, man, my guitar's buzzing. And then so they'll play it harder and make it buzz worse and go, oh, it's really buzzing. And just and they'll say, at it, huh? Yeah, and then they'll say, well, I'm going to check all my other guitars. So they get all their other guitars out and oh, no. play them and go, oh, this one's buzzing, too. I never noticed this. You know, oh. people get obsessive. And all of a sudden, all their guitars have the same problem because, like, like when people learn about intonation, they go, oh, I never thought about this. I'm going to check all my guitars. Yeah. Oh, they all have intonation problems. And they go nuts. So maybe you're having this problem, and maybe it's a little bit uh, something that is uh, you're focusing on, you know? I don't know. Maybe not. Well, maybe what a, not. What about the tuner, whatever string? The is that is it more likely that the the machine head? Yeah, it's almost never. So tuning problems are almost never a problem with the machine head. Really? Act, yeah. Once it's there, yeah. once it's in tune. Yeah. So here here's my thoughts. Okay, I'm going to assume that this is absolutely a legitimate problem that you're having with Diodario with strings. strings. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, that's all I use, and I haven't noticed it lately. So, <clears throat> but not to say you're not having this problem. Um, when I string a guitar. Uh, I make sure that the strings are really put on the capstan well, so on the on the tuning, on the on the on the machine head shaft, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a few different methods of of really properly tying the string off onto the machine head, and I make sure that I'm doing that. The other thing you want to make sure of is put a little bit of graphite in each nut slot, because the string yep. needs to be able to move through that slot freely. Okay, and if it doesn't, then you're going to have tuning problems because you bend the string or something, and then the pressure doesn't equalize across the nut, and you have tuning problems. The other thing that came to my mind is after I string a guitar, I'll tune it up, and then I'll tug on each string, stretch them, tune it, tug on each string, stretch it, tune it again, tug on each string, stretch it, like five times. Yeah. I do that. And um, so those are just my hints, my tips and tricks to to uh, get around this. Make sure you're um, looking at all those things. And if none of that helps, then maybe you got a bad batch of strings. It, it, I've, it, that does happen, you know, if this is all out of the same, like if you bought a 10-pack. Right. And these are all having the same problem. You, you do see it occasionally, like the, where they... Where they do the ball end, all the little, the little pigtail mm-hmm. at the ball end. Uh, occasionally, you'll see a string that that yeah. isn't quite tied off correctly. Yeah. Wild hair or some weird. And it's theoretically that's possible that it happened to all the e strings in your box because they all came off the assembly line yeah. one after the other, and there was a problem with the yeah. winding machine. Or I don't know. It's Friday like, afternoon, yeah. and they so, were ready to go home. Yeah, could be something. Could be something. Could be anything. But those are my uh, thoughts 
and I hope that helps. Yeah, that was good. Like the the non-string things, I think, were quite informative. I appreciate that. Awesome. Oh, dear. I'm slow on the button. Here we go. Hey, Eric. This is Richard from Austin, Texas, and I wanted to chime in on the topic of refretting vintage guitars. So mm-hmm. I own or have owned about a dozen 50 Fenders, including flat guards, 54 strats. Ooh. And I got to say that a refret has never factored negatively into mm-hmm. a decision to buy a guitar or even how much I would pay for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think negatively impacted because in some cases, I actually see a refret as a positive thing if it was done well and it was done with the fret wire that I prefer. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... You know, the reality is a guitar that's been played enough to need a refret is probably not going to be on the radar of a collector anyway. Like, they, a collector is looking for something that's more pristine, 100% including frets, and that's not the type of guitar that is going to need a refret. Now, I've seen some near-mint guitars that had a refret because some shop tragically conned the owner into thinking they needed some expensive work done, but... I think that's a different story. Um, I mean, it kills me seeing people online talk about, oh, I have this amazing, you know, old Fender, but uh, I can never play it again because it really needs a refret and I can't do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, to me, that's so stupid. Like, if it's worn, get a refret. Like, seriously, I would not pay any less for it with a refret. So, anyway, that's my um, perspective and hope you're doing well. Bye. Awesome. I agree with everything you said, my friend. It's very good. You should have your own show. That was really fact, good. Do you want to take over this one? <laughs> yeah, let's hand him the baton. <clears throat> um, I would add a few things to that. You want to make sure the refret is done by the right guy. Uh, there's, I've seen plenty of vintage guitars that weren't... The, the, the refret was not done very well, or they went and took a vintage like a vintage fender and decided that what would really make it awesome would be to put a 12 inch radius on it. So they sanded the tar out of the fingerboard even say that and then put giant railroad tie frets on there. Oh, "Oh, we need to bring this up to modern standards, 12 inch radius and uh, Steve Vai frets. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you got to make sure it's done by the right guy and keep it tasteful. Keep it tasteful. Nobody wants to see, nobody wants to see a black guard with, giant frets yeah at so, least i don't well and this guy it sounded like i bet you know what fret wire he's talking about is that the case is there a single well, kind that my hope is he likes you know fret wire that looks at least proper on the guitar right right i i just wondered if there's one standard that had a specific name that so that gravitates to yeah the vintage fret wire is <clears throat> eighty thousandths by forty thousandths 80 wide by 40 tall. Okay. And that's that's what they came with, or very close to that. And some people, some players will, uh, to to retain the look, they'll use a slightly tall fret wire. So it's still, it's 80 wide, so it's still yeah. the right width, but it'll be 45 or 50 tall. So you get a little bit taller fret, yeah. you yeah. know, and that's, that's understandable, but, don't, you know, don't put bass frets on a... That's what Stevie Ray Vaughan did. He would put, like, you know, the giant frets on... But he's Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. So he can do that. Yeah, that's not a... 
Not a great example for what we need to do. Yeah, really. Let's be good stewards of the instruments. But yeah, I agreed with your call, the whole thing. Loved yep. it. Good. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Should we um, take a break and then come back for these uh, letters? I think we could. Emails? I call them letters like they were sent to the house, like the postman put them in. And there used to be a jingle for it. Do you not even do that anymore? Oh, I do the jingle. Okay. We'll have the jingle. Okay, good. Hold on. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by the lovely and delicious Apex Coffee. Oh, my God. Nat knows about it. Nat... What do you think about Apex Coffee? I like Apex. Coffee? Where's Apex? Is it Waco? They're in Waco, Texas. I, Man. I, I gave, I gave Nat a a bag of Apex Coffee for helping with the podcast. Yeah, and uh, he's been raving about it. Yeah, it's the good stuff. That oversteer. It is good stuff. I think it's lovely. Apex Coffee Roasters. They search the globe for the best coffee beans available. They really do. They roast them right there in-house in Waco, Texas, to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. You can order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use my promo code PINUP, P-I-N-U-P. It works. At checkout to receive 10% off from apexcoffeeroasters.com. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at PlayersGearMusic.com. You can go to PlayersGearMusic, you can order a neck straightening iron, some people call it a neck press or a neck heater, It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. I think think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one. From playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's it's a tool, I tell you what, it's gonna pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to playersgearmusic.com, scroll down on the main page, scroll, scroll, scroll down to where it says Fan of the Fret Files Podcast. You click that, that adds one to your cart. And it's fifty bucks off. So instead of seven forty nine, it's six ninety nine. Six ninety nine, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron. Playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out. And don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. Letters, we get letters. Oh, this is a good one. Hi, Eric. What's a double action truss rod? How is it different from single action? That's from Brian. Oh, didn't we already do this question? Uh, No. Crumb, I hope I didn't print off the wrong things here. That strikes you as familiar, huh? Yeah, maybe that's just because it was so short that I read it when I put it, when I printed it out yeah a little deja vu i don't know okay it's a double action truss rod is like a like a double agent 
You know, you've got secret agents, this and then you've got a double agent. Yeah. They, and they're working both sides. Oh, no. Yeah. So that's what a double action trust rod does. It works both sides. You can take reverse bow or forward bow out of it. Out of the same trust rod. Yeah. Actively tightens or loosens. Yeah. And doesn't just slacken. Yeah. Single action truss rod only corrects forward bow. So as you tighten it, it will. Right. So know. there's there's some inherent yeah. bow in it. I think we already did that question. That's okay. <sighs> well, Next. I appreciate it, Brian. Eric, my nut seating slot is really deep, and I was going to install a graph tech nut. But the slot is so deep, the strings actually touch the fret when I string up my low and high E's. I haven't sanded anything down. What is the solution to this problem? Do I shim the slot with thin strips of wood? My depth measures 630 seconds of an inch. Have a wonderful summer. Cheers, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. You don't. These questions don't ring a bell to you? I don't listen to the podcast. I, my therapist told me I should probably stop. Man, I swear we did these. This is not good. <laughs> okay, look it up. This is not good. I don't want to have to pause the show and go try to find the last... The I, last podcast I did, I think, was interviewing Jay, and then all I did was uh, uh, take some calls. And did people ask you a lot of guitar-related questions? Is yeah. that one of the... Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> You're in a tight spot. All right, let's just do these. Maybe my opinion, maybe my answer will be different. Yeah, maybe we did just, these. Yeah, that's it, that's worse. If that's the know, case, we can't there, do this. I know that we didn't do most of these because I just added most of these to the thing. Okay. Well, we'll let her fly and then we'll all check right. after. This slot is really deep and he's going to install a graph tech nut. Sure. He, First of all, why are you putting a graph tech nut in there? Is that something that uh uh, he feels strongly about, I think. That, yeah, that you feel strongly about. Um, so if you're going to roll with that, that's cool. The The problem is, <clears throat> the problem that you're having is those Graftech nuts are pre-manufactured in a mold, you know? So mm-hmm. the slots are pre-cut, and so you are you have no leeway. You can't, it, it's done, it's... Get what you get, huh? Yeah, you get what you get. So I would put a blank in there and and file the slots to the proper depth. Uh, he says, should I shim it up with wood? No. Please don't. My depth measures 630 seconds. Uh, I'm trying to picture what 630 seconds looks like in my brain. You'd think I would just know how deep a nut slot yeah, should be. Yeah, he could reduce that fraction, man. But, um, yeah, 630 seconds. What is that? Is that like an Three eighth or something? Three sixteen. I went to District ninety one schools. I don't know, Jonathan. Here's what I would do: put a bone nut in it and cut your own slots because that's going to solve all of the above problems. It will. Yes. That's that's my offensive opinion. I hope I didn't. I hope I'm not callously, uh, you know, just cavalier about dismissing people's. Yeah. yeah graph tech, huh? Yeah. What? Are you, what's your problem? Yeah, but some of these. <laughs> That that's an important little bit of guidance. Some of these I, people need a little, little help. I got no problem with a graph tech nut, yeah. but what the problem you're having is you're using a pre-made nut that the slots are too shallow on. Mm-hmm. So do something different. Use use a blank and then 
cut your own slots. I'd I would if it were my guitar, I'd put bone and on don't there. don't shim it up. And that's going to be way cooler than putting shims under your Graph Tech nut. Can I yeah. tell you why I don't really like Graph Tech? Yeah, please do. I don't like plastic nuts, and you know what Graph Tech is? Yeah, it's, plastic it's plastic with some black. It's plastic. Um, it's fancy plastic. Mm, oh yeah, uh, or like tusk with a Q, you know, and yeah. all these, all these uh, polycarbonate, uh, you know, space age whatever. That it's a fancy yeah. word for plastic. It's yeah. just fancy plastic. And I, you know, if I've got a nice guitar, I kind of don't want a plastic nut on there, even mm. even fancy plastic. Yeah. So this is just me being an opinionated. Uh, old, you know, guitar snob. Well, that's what we're here for. But that's just me. That's just what I would do. Yeah, that's what we need. We need your expertise. Thanks, Jonathan. Okay, let's try this one. Hey, Eric. Love the podcast. Thank you. I just got a guitar with heavy play wear, including finger indentations under the cowboy cords. Is there a good way to fill these in without using super glue that looks shiny and weird later on boy i hope yeah. so yeah when you fill those indentations they with super glue it, it really is not a good look it doesn't wear well people do that huh yeah you can i i always i usually honestly i usually err on the side of just not filling them that that's usually honestly yep. what i usually do if you really want to fill them you can mix rosewood dust with super glue or rosewood dust with epoxy and fill it and the rosewood dust will keep it you know use a lot use a lot but it darkens up a lot and it's going to look goofy if you've got a pretty light colored rosewood board yeah really honestly i err on the side of not filling them maybe give it a you know, are you? Is he refretting the guitar? No, and that's the interesting thing is that mm. it, it would only, if you're careful, it can only be, it can be a mere cosmetic problem. Yeah, we don't know if he's refretting no, it. We he didn't say because what I would do if it had super bad grooves um, is I might uh, use a radius block and sand the whole thing a little. But you don't want to. I wouldn't go to the bottom of the grooves, honestly. Just yeah, just, just enough to minimize it a little bit. Just a little tiny but, bit. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good one. We saved him from wrecking a real nice guitar, maybe. Eric. Let's see. Oh, this is interesting. He's t talking about summer here. Um, he's wondering if other people. This is Ron. Other people must be getting out and doing stuff. His premise is people what? are all getting outside. Um, this is related to, uh, he's kind of written this backwards. I'm sorry. I'm just going to read it. But seriously, out here, we are all busy getting outside and doing stuff. Other people must be also, as I am seeing a lot of used entry-level amps and guitars for sale. Personally, I won't have time to get back to guitar work until the fall due to farm work. Hmm. So he does guitar work. So do you think the ending... There's a question mark there. Of the pandemic and return to normalcy will result in price drops for used musical instrument on reverb, etc. Do you think the prices will return to pre-COVID levels? Hmm. Thanks. Looking forward to your expert opinion. There's Ron. Hmm. Thanks, Ron. I'm just a simple guitar doctor. 
and these questions are above my pay grade. <clears throat> um, I'm not an economist. I will tell you my opinion, but I reserve the right to be drastically wrong about this. Yeah, so good idea. Um, here, but here's my opinion. Will will prices return to pre-COVID levels? Maybe, but I think a lot of what you're seeing with the price increases doesn't have so much to do with supply or demand uh, or anything like that. It's actually a different factor, which is hyperinflation. Yep. You know, if the government is, is and I'm talking about the United States government, if they're going to print trillions of dollars and just send every man, woman, and child thousands of dollars just for breathing air, um, it and and agree with that policy or not, the the end result is that it inflates the currency. So, uh, you know, you think about what happens to the dollars that were already in your pocket when they print trillions more. Yeah. Um. The 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 purchasing power of the dollars you already had is now diminished by a factor of a lot. 3.6 right. trillion. So what you're seeing is uh, inflation, that, in my opinion. It's not really it's not really about guitar shortages or... Pure supply or changes. Yeah, that's my opinion. I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know, but that's my opinion. I think that that's the biggest driving factor behind it, and nobody seems to be talking about it. Isn't that odd? Yeah. Or do I do I just not listen to the right? Well, uh, they're they're talking about lumber prices and gasoline prices. And, well, yeah, that's yeah, uh, yeah, and that's car prices, and that's that's what I'm that's what I mean. We're just talking about guitars here uh, for the purpose of this podcast, but yeah. the prices of I mean. You gone to the store lately? Yeah, I mean everything: bread, houses, yeah, gas. Uh, yeah, you know, lumber is up a ton. Yeah, that's what you're gonna have. And I think a, a lot of it is that all the supply chains got totally screwed up during COVID. But this is true. But um, that should all kind of be back to normal by now. It's it's not with like microchips and with lumber. Yeah. Um. It is tough all around, and and this is the the greatest hiring crisis we've seen. You know, so many people have left left their jobs, and they're doing a little bit better. And uh, so, yeah, there are some economic instabilities going on out there that are not just with guitars. I don't like it. I will tell you one on one positive note. One thing I've noticed on I go to these you know box stores that that sell. Boxes. Just random, you know, whatever, like big lots, yeah, if you're stuff. here in the States, you know. Uh, the bargain bins are filling up with things like hand sanitizer and and PPE, deals, yeah. like rubber gloves mm -hmm. and alcohol wipes. You know, stuff that there was a shortage on a year ago is now being blown out because it's not selling and there's a huge glut of it. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's... In some regards, it's a little bit promising that at least that part of the pandemic is is waning, right? Yep. Yep. Nobody knows, though. But you didn't ask about that, Ron, so I won't even talk about that. I'll yeah. just I'll edit all that out. You won't even hear that anyway. Anyhow, let's go to the next question. Thanks, let's Ron. Let's do. Well, that was kind of fun. 
Uh, Eric, what is your favorite guitar myth to absolutely despise? Mm. I'll go first. Okay. No finish in the control cavity so the guitar can, <laughs> scare quotes, breathe. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you have one, Nat? Uh, not, no, I believe them all. I love them. Oh, yeah? You like the myths? Yeah. One that we've talked about on the podcast, and this is the one that comes to my mind, the, my favorite pet peeve. It's like, you know, and I like to, I like to talk about it, too. It's like drawing air over a toothache, you know? <laughs> oh, that hurts. Oh, let's yeah. do that again. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a pain that's going to linger. Yeah, why, why is that so... Uh, Capacitors. People get so up in their head about capacitors in a in a guitar circuit. Okay, and I'm not talking about in an amp, in an active circuit. I'm talking about in the passive circuit of your guitar, where your tone knob is probably up 98 percent of the time yeah. anyway. So that cap isn't even really doing anything, and. Uh, People get obsessed about, oh, man, it's got this special capacitor, you know, and people will spend way too much money on these weird snake oil caps, and people bring them to me, like, oh, I bought this from ToneMojoBro.com, and, uh, you know, these special capacitors, they're $50, and they're made with the same juice that goes into, uh, you know, the... Soviet era, blah, blah, you know, they, I mean, yeah. they spin this yarn about a cap and I'm just, I just want to hold my head and. Well, when these people do this, do you get out your special magical solder? Sometimes. Okay. That would be, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I assume. Uh, well, what I, sometimes what I do is I hand them my capacitor lie detector box and say, oh, okay, no. well, let's take the, let's take the Not test. the capacitor box. Yeah. Yep, so let's, do let's it. plug in and you tell me which one of these has the special Soviet era capacitor yeah. juice in it. In a double blind test. Yeah. So fancy capacitors don't matter. And that's my favorite. That's uh, a good one. Myth to dispel. That's a good one. And we it can is. all recognize yeah. that we are, there's a lot of mythology to these guitars because there's a lot of special qualities to yeah. them. I mean, we can easily, you know, imbue them with our hopes and dreams, maybe. Sure. Well, and when you don't really know what, and I'm saying this because there was a point in time when I did not know what a capacitor did, okay? Sure. So, you know, at some point you don't know what they do, and then you learn what they do, and then after that you forever know what the capacitor does. So when I was a kid and looked at capacitors, I thought, whoa, it looks like this one looks like a chiclet. Oh, that mm. one looks like a little Tootsie Roll. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, this Fire one looks cracker. like, man, maybe they all sound different. Well, wow, what are the, you know, and so you look at them on eBay or you look at them on uh, the Snake Oil website and you go, oh, man, look at that capacitor. It just looks cool. Has stripes. And you open up your guitar and you go, oh. My capacitor doesn't look cool. It's orange. It's just a tiny little, it looks like a tiny little pancake. UFO. Like if, like if Barbie made pancakes. And I don't want a Barbie pancake <laughs> in there. You can't have a Barbie pancake in there. I want the one with the bumblebee stripes. Uh, exactly. I like because stripes. Because obviously it's going to sound better than the Barbie pancake. Mm-hmm. It's going to buzz. Yeah. So, so 
Uh, that's enough yep. about capacitors. God, that we have so many questions. Is this is going to be a five-hour podcast. Well, the longer they are, the shorter oh, we'll answer. Just kill me. Hey, Eric. Quick question. My favorite guitar hero, Mark Knopfler. Oh, good for oh, you. I love Mark great. Knopfler. Always oh, great. Was always known for his unique Strat tones by combining the bridge and middle pickups to get that great out-of-phase tone. I have two strats myself. One is a Japanese Aerodyne model, and the other is a 2000s American, but both have the middle pickup set for the hum-canceling effect instead. Is it possible to rewire the middle pickup in either of my guitars to produce the out-of-phase effect? Do I need a new pickup entirely? Thanks for making my commute bearable with a great podcast. That's Ryan from Denver. That's nice. Right on, Ryan. Thank you. These kind of questions are tricky because there are two kinds of people that get confused about in and out of phase stuff. Well, I'm confused right now, yes. Guitar players and non-guitar players. Oh, no. I'm both. Everybody is confused about... Because people... <clears throat> so, you just have a normal Strat, okay? You just picked, you just plucked it off the wall at Guitar Center. Okay. The in-between sounds, position two and four, people will call them... Out of phase. Okay, yes. They're not. Right. They're not truly out of phase, but people will call them out of phase. Well, they're at a distance from each other, but... So they're not, I mean, they're not, you know, electrically out of phase with each other. So, um, but people call it that. So, and then you read some article about, oh, Knopfler uses those in-between out of phase sounds. Without a switch for that, I think. Right? He was just holding a three-position switch. No, I'm sure he had a five-way switch. In the old days? Well, this would have been in the 80s. Yeah, but he had a, one of them nice uh, guy from the shadows, red guitar. Yeah, but I bet he put a five-way switch in oh, there. Give okay. me a break. So, they're not... I don't think he was using out-of-phase pickups. I think he just had a standard, you know, three-pickup Stratocaster with a five-way switch yeah. where positions two and four... Combined pickups. So, you know, in one position, you get the bridge and middle, and in the other, you get the middle and neck. They're not really out of phase. It's just two pickups working at the same time. Well, they don't have opposite uh, electrical polarity. In parallel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole other can of worms, parallel versus series. We won't even go into that. In order for those pickups to actually be out of phase... um one would have to uh, uh, be um, wired backward. Yeah. So you'd have Wound to take... Backward. Yeah, oh. you'd either have to wind it backward or you would have to take the wire that's going to the pot and swap it with the wire that's going to the switch. You know, swap them. Yeah. And then the thing would be out of phase. So um, I don't... I really don't think he had... A truly out of phase sound. Right. I could be wrong about that. I'm not a Mark Knopfler expert, but I certainly have listened to his records and I've never thought, oh, cool, out of phase. Get on YouTube or something like that and listen to an example of a truly out of two pickups that are truly out of phase with each other. It's a very, very unique sound. Yeah. When pickups are out of phase, rather than combining their sound, to make one sound, they actually cancel out certain frequencies because the waves are opposite of each other. Right. And when you combine those two waves 
instead of those those two uh, sounds being additive, yep. it's actually subtractive. So they cancel out certain frequencies. Fairly dramatic. And you've got it that. It is super dramatic. That guitar that you were able to wire actually four phase and in, in, in increase and decrease the phase diff distance. Oh, or, yeah, right. No, which yeah. you could, so yeah. that is a great way to hear it. I mean, yeah. So imagine an actual phaser effect. It's that drastic. Yeah, but um, but not a swooshing. Oh, not moving. Yeah. But, you know, so if you had it yeah. fixed. Well, I yeah. kind of wish I had said that. Now I'm just going to confuse people. Yep. I know. That's why I t- hate talking about this. I know. Because this is terrible. you can't really adequately explain it. It's very difficult. I made a chart once to show people when they would ask questions like this. And... It's a very, <laughs> it's a chart with, okay, here's, you know, axis A and axis B. Okay, here's a, a pickup. It's clockwise with north-facing magnets. Yeah, it's, oh, it's complicated. Counterclockwise with north-facing magnets. Clockwise with south-facing magnets. Counterclockwise with south-facing magnets. Yeah, it's terrible. On each axis. So what is each of those combinations going to do? Is it going to be hum-canceling? Is it going to be in-phase? Is it going to be out-of-phase? So I made a chart, and I found that the chart only further confused people. Yeah, the mind reels at the possibilities when you have all these permutations. It's very complicated. Yeah. Phase. It's hard. But it's not complicated when you hear it. When you hear it, it's unmistakable. When you hear it at truly out-of-phase, a lot of people will, like, they'll put in their own pickup at home and then bring it to me and go, my guitar's broken. Yeah, because it hurts my ears. Something's because wrong. When they use the two pickups together, it's out of phase, and they're like, uh, "I did something wrong." Yeah, because it's that weird. So what this ends up being a little bit of a semantic question that we should stop using the term "out of phase" loosely, yes. and only use it precisely when yes. we know it is exact. That is exactly the case. That is exactly right. So in the, uh, I propose a better term, which is the in between. Pickups, what do you call it? The middle position. People call it the quacky sound. Yeah. Those in-between okay, quacky strat sounds. But what you mean is the in-between switch select. I don't have a snappy term. What it truly is, is just two pickups wired together in parallel. Yep. And they're in phase. But hum canceling. See, it's not simple. Anyway, Ryan, we're going to move on because yep, I have a weird. headache from it. And I hope you don't. Well, we made a little... Headway with that yep. tough question. Did the best we could. Okay, listen to this. Hey, Eric, and special guest. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Someone figured out the what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, this is great. I know you have talked about zero frets a couple of times. For example, are they any good, etc. But would you dig in a little deeper on setup tricks and what you have to do to replace a zero fret that has some serious string ruts? Also, can you riff on the nut in this situation? I have a couple of guitars that need some zero fret love, and the internet is seriously lacking on information. Here are a couple questions I have bouncing around in my head. No need to go over all of them. How much taller should the zero fret be? Uh, standard nut string heights at the first fret, that's a question. Does a stainless steel zero fret make sense, on, or is this not worth the effort? How deep should the nut slots be? Will it make weird buzzes or tones if they are too deep or not deep enough? I get that the role of the nut in the zero fret setup 
is to separate and hold the strings. I might have averred something that's not necessarily true. That's from Casey in Minnesota. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, so with a zero fret, the nut is only a string guide. Because, you know, on a normal guitar without a zero fret, the nut, each slot has to be exactly the right depth. When you have a zero fret, that depth is set by the zero fret and not the nut. So the nut is just there to keep the strings from moving side to side. So the depth and... The height off the fretboard. Yeah, yeah, the height off the fretboard, the depth of the nut slots is not really a factor anymore. It needs to be deep enough that they rest on the zero fret and not the the nut slot, Mm -hmm. right? But, um... So... So nut slot depth isn't really uh, anything to even concern yourself with anymore when you've got a zero fret. What was his other question? Uh, that, well, he's just asking how much taller should it be, but just oh, enough yeah. taller. Well, yeah, so just like uh, a normal nut, you just want it to be clearing the first fret when you depress the... Uh, God, I wish I had a guitar in my hand. So yeah. to check nut height, you press down on the, you depress the string at the third fret, and then you just tap uh, the second fret. Just need a just little see, bit of clearance. And just see how much clearance yeah. you have there. I like it just about enough clearance that you'd be able to stick maybe a business card in there. Okay. Right. And so that would be the same with a zero fret. It just needs to clear the first yeah. fret. So Just, it doesn't buzz. So it's in, and then the uh, other frets are in position. He wants to know if a stainless steel zero fret makes sense, or is that not worth the effort? <sighs> no, it ain't. I'll handle that one for you. Thanks. I mean, if you want, I don't, I I guess so, if, if you're concerned about it wearing out, but it's not going to. Well, and it shouldn't have much motion across the no. thing. I mean, if, yeah. It should be kind of constant, so it doesn't, eh. I stay away from stainless frets because I I don't like the way they sound. So for me, that would be the deal breaker. Can we go back to the guitar myth question for my... Oh, yeah. I think it's stainless steel frets now. There you go. Okay. Thanks, Casey. Let's move on. Hi, Eric. Thanks for the excellent... the excellent podcast, and for being so straightforward and clear in your response to questions. God, I feel like I've really dropped the ball on that yeah, this episode. Yeah, we're, we're kind of searching in the dark here, doing the best we can. You're a voice of knowledge and reason in a field that can be overfilled with hearsay, uninformed opinion, and myth. Oh, he's really rubbing it in here. Uh, he's putting yeah. it on strong. This no, I appreciate it. I do this, appreciate it. This Thank is great. You. I'm glad. Here's he, a question. I'm glad he thinks this way. Yeah. Well, for how long? possibly dumb that occurred to me in the middle of a long drive. We hear ideas all the time about how to maximize the effectiveness of the bridge and saddle, particularly on acoustic guitars, but also on electric guitars. This makes sense since string energy is delivered to the top there. Okay. But I was listening to someone who said that that's not the only place on the guitar where the strings meet the body. And I thought... No, it's not. How about the fret or the fretboard or the neck? And your experience is the human finger so deadening that the transfer of energy, the vibration, 
at the end of the string is negligible. Okay, I think I understand what he's saying. Or does the fret and fretboard, do the fret and fretboard serve as a second place where a good guitar can also transfer vibration to the whole guitar? Sure. Well, that's that's a function. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. I'm always surprised at how little gets said about necks in talking about guitar volume and tone. Any thoughts? Take care. Be well. Thanks for giving us all mm-hmm. such a great podcast. So let's kind of pare this down. It was a cool question, but does it boil down to does the fretboard affect the sound? Hmm. Um, that's how I. That's I'm what you this. got out of it. Yeah, I got something different out of it. You got does the so the, finger deadened or affect the vibration? So anytime a string is vibrating on a guitar, whether you're fretting a note or not, uh, the 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 portion of the string that's vibrating is called the speaking length. Oh yeah, it's actually a term, a speaking length of the string. Oh, yeah. So from the bridge to let's say you're depressing the string at the seventh fret so from the seventh fret to the bridge that's the speaking length of the string that you're plucking yes any time you play any note on a guitar there are two contact points to make a speaking length so one is always the bridge the other might be your finger and a fret it might be a slide it might be the nut well let's be specific on that because that's the Unless you have no frets, that's the role of the fret. Yeah. That it's, it's the fret, and that's why we have to be precise with those. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sets the frequency. So it's not yeah. your, like on, say, an acoustic bass, a stand-up bass, mm-hmm. you have to fret that very carefully because it affects the pitch. Oh, exactly sure. where you put your finger. Yeah. So yeah. it's the, the fingers providing the mechanical force yeah. to hold it across that fulcrum point of the fret. So both so both contact points of the string make a difference. Yes. You bet. On an acoustic instrument and to some degree electric instruments as well, the bridge does have a little more effect because that is the part of the guitar where the amplification is happening because it has the resonant part. Mm-hmm. The the neck doesn't it's not as resonant. So, you know, yes, both contact points absolutely make a difference. Uh, there's a reason why people talk more about the bridge than the other contact point. Yeah. What did you get out of that question? What were you saying? It was that, well, for instance, he says, I'm always surprised at how little gets said about necks in talking about guitar volume and tone. Oh, yeah. So that's why I said, um, yeah, that, and I, different I, fingerboard. I think, that, I think we got, yeah, we touched on that. That's different, pretty good. Different fingerboard materials will certainly, yeah, uh, contribute to to uh, different tones, but let's not get too concerned about all of that. Let's just play. A little bit guitar you know? mythy. You know what I mean? Okay. Let, thanks, Patrick. Let's move on to uh, Joe in Roanoke. By the way, thanks for the kind words, Patrick. S- sincerely, yeah. sincerely, I mean it. Thank you. Well, that, uh, yeah, that is really good. Hi, all. Hope all is well. Mm-hmm. A few questions. First, how can you tell if a bolt-on neck needs a shim? Let's hit that. Do it. Um, the way you tell is if you're lowering the saddle and then you run out of you run out of thread on whatever screw or whatever. Yeah, you run out of real estate. You can't get it any lower, and the action's still too high. 
There you go. Sham it up. Yeah, the other possibility is, there is that it needs a truss rod adjustment, but I'm assuming you would know that uh, because you're a listener to the show, right? So then make sure the neck is straight, but if you're lowering the action lower, 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 and it's still not, you still can't get the action low enough, you need a neck shim. You got to shim it. Yeah. Okay. How about this? And we're talking about bolt-on guitars here. Yes, and yeah. he, he specified bolt-on yeah. neck. Second, Eric, is your sister the voice of Emerald of the Emerald City ad? Oh, no. My my dear sister Sage did one podcast with us and then said, mm, I really hated that. I didn't know that was an option. Are yeah. you kidding me? Well, somebody needs to do this podcast with me. Wow. So, uh, no, she is not the voice of the Emerald City Guitars ad. Well, who is? Although she does sound a lot like Liz Heron, who is the voice of the Emerald City Guitar ad. She is an employee of Emerald City Guitars and has been for maybe close, getting close to a decade. And, uh, yeah, she, Liz Heron, did the Emerald City ad, not my sister Sage. Maybe my sister will come back and do a podcast occasionally. That would be cool. I thought she did a great job, and it was fun. Yeah, let's bring her back. Um, and I like the voice of that. Liz Heron. Mm-hmm. Real good job. She's awesome, by yeah. the way. Well, she's, that's I the love thing. Liz. She sounds nice she's, and accessible and helpful. And she's a super cool person. I can't remember if cool, I've met her. And a great guitar tech. And funnier than hell, too. She's got a wicked sense of humor. She's cool. Liz is cool. Well, thanks, thanks Joe. Liz. Thanks, everyone. Oh, wait, did he have... Yes, he does. He, question. He's got a... He's got like an A and a two and a... All right. I'm Lastly, gonna... do you have any tips for cleaning out the inside of an acoustic guitar? Um, About as far as I go, unless there's like big, you know... Dust bunnies. Dust bunnies in there. Uh, what I typically do is when I've got the strings off, I'll kind of shake the thing so all, yeah, the, all the detritus is in one spot <laughs> and then stick my shop vac in there and suck it up hoover it yeah but no you wouldn't want to go in there with like you know household cleaner and start spraying things down one time we had the mold question oh i hate that i hate it when people talk to me about mold in guitars (laughs) i don't know i don't know can we have a a list of of things that are taboo you know here's another question i hate well we're talking about guitar myths i guess this isn't a myth i hate it when people come to me with a problem that goes something like this. My guitar smells bad. <laughs> like, well, God, I'm really sorry. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Uh, here's a tip. Some kind of, you remember I got that, uh, I got that guitar amp cabinet and I had to leave it in the sun. I think that was effective. Cleaner, leaving it in the sun and then kind of an odorizer ozone cleaner sure whatever but you know you know what i mean like just because it's a guitar they think that i'm gonna have the solution like what if it were radioactive like oh man my guitar was uh too close to a radioactive blast and now it's radioactive but because it's a guitar i'm gonna bring it to you and he sets it on your bench i don't know i I don't know this guitar needs an exorcism yeah yeah well call me to a priest yeah luthiated (sighs) Ah, <sighs> well, we went crazy. Here we go. Let's do another one. Hi, Eric. 
I have a non-technical question. I don't know if this is the time, buddy, but let's see. Oh, it's the perfect time. Please okay. hit me with a non-technical <laughs> question. <laughs> but I'm sure you have an opinion on it. He's probably right. Who, that's in all caps, was the greatest guitar player that ever lived? What do you think? That's Jim in Nevada. Who was the greatest guitar player that ever lived? Yep. Wow. I'm... It's a short and sweet question. You I love to. it. I tell you what, I'm going to use this opportunity to just completely go off the rails and tell you that I was afraid of my that favorite story. scientist is Isaac Newton. Oh, yeah. Interesting guy. You ever read about Isaac Newton? Oh, yeah. He's wild. Dude. He's crazy. 1600s. So the rest of the world is like, is concerned about about like witchcraft and sorcery yeah cholera yeah. alchemy or yeah what's is uh where they try to turn lead into gold well what's that called? newton was doing that alchemy alchemy yeah so um it's not a scientific world well okay. they're doing the best they could yeah well you see these girls in instagram with with like healing crystals and oh here we and go horoscopes and you know not much has changed anyhow uh Isaac Newton saw an apple fall and thought, does the moon fall also? Yeah, man. Turns out it does. Yeah, it does. So he he came up with this idea. If you could fire a cannon, you know, if you fire a cannon, it goes, and then there's an arc, and then it hits the ground. You're seeing a great graphic in if your mind. You, if you fire it with more power, Just it goes right. farther. If you fire it hard enough... The arc of its descent matches the curvature of the Earth, and it's in orbit, and that's what the moon's doing. Oh, yeah, man. This was in the 1600s, so he came up with calculus in order to describe yeah. the functions of objects moving in space. Yeah. And absolutely revolutionized the world. I mean, we still use... Isaac. When we send a space probe to Mars, we're using Isaac Newton's we're using equations. Newtonian mechanics, yeah. And, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I named my oldest boy Isaac. Is that yeah. right? It's also a family name. I have a great, great, great grandfather named Isaac. There's a few reasons, but that's one of the reasons. Anyway, Isaac Newton is this brilliant scientist. And if you asked, like, ten theoretical physicists... Who was the greatest scientist who ever lived? I bet more than half of them would say Isaac Newton because he is objectively, you know, I mean, you talk about the scientific method, right? You can take Newtonian physics, you can take calculus, you can take the things that he, that he came up with and you can test them. They are testable. Yeah. In fact, we've just some of the planets we've discovered we discovered because we were noticing slight variations in the orbits of the planets we did know about and we were looking at these variations of the planets and we said you know because of these variations we can use newton's calculations and discern that there is another planet pulling on that planet and so yeah. they it's used that yeah. they used newton's equations to find planets that we didn't even 
we hadn't even found yet. You can't see. It's amazing. You know, and this was in the 1600s when they were burning people at the stake it's for... Like, yeah, Tycho Brahe and Kepler I mean, it, and those guys. Yep. It was heresy not long before that to even to say that the, you know, the 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 solar system was heliocentric. Well, that, that the sun was at the center. Guess who know that? Old Newton. He, yeah. He kept a journal yeah. that he didn't want revealed because yeah. he could have suffered greatly in the Anglican Church. I know. Yep. So anyway, my point is, if you ask ten great scientists, who's your favorite scientist? Who was the great? Who was the greatest scientist of all time? I bet more than half of them would say, if not all of them, I really, honestly, yeah. I bet most of them would say Isaac Newton because he's so fundamental. So because he's it's your science. Favorite. Oh yeah, it's science. Guitar playing is not science. Oh. Guitar playing is art. Oh, okay. So if you ask 10 guitar players or 10 fans of music or 10 great guitar players, who is the greatest guitar player of all time? Yeah. You'd get 10 different answers. You might get a couple of them that said Hendrix or, you know, but you wouldn't get 10 of the same answer because music isn't the scientific method. We hear music and it goes to our heart. That's what I'm talking about. It's art, right? And and you listen to B.B. King, and he plays one note, and it just blows your mind. And then you listen to Danny Gatton, and he's cramming so many notes in there, but he's doing it so well. I mean, which one's better? Who's the better guitar player? Yeah. It's totally subjective, and it's, there's no accounting for taste. And so there's it's impossible to say the, that anyone was the greatest guitar player of all time because it's art. It's not. You can't test it with the scientific method. Now, this is this is a long train of thought to go oh, through totally, to tell you. Yeah, no, but, but it totally came back full circle, and that was a great answer. That's my opinion. Is that it's not? I think that's wonderful. Knowable. I thought you were going to say it's Isaac Newton is my favorite guitarist, but no, you tied it. It's back not in. knowable. There is not a greatest guitar player who ever lived. I can tell you some of my favorites. Let's but just that. because they're my favorites doesn't mean they're the greatest that ever lived. Some of my favorites, Albert King, Robert Johnson, Jimmy Vaughn, Steve Cropper, John Hamm, Steve Cropper. Yes. I know you like Steve Cropper. You know. We I, heard some Steve Cropper today, didn't we? I like the simple and soulful guitar players. So that does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. Thanks for helping me out, Nat. I help, but I'm glad to be here. I do appreciate it. Okay. Thank you so much, and uh, hey, we'll uh, talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone. Good night.